Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl, and today we're going to be talking about the Wednesday incident on episode 40 of this podcast. Yeah! Oh, I'm so excited. I can't believe we're at episode 40 already. I can't believe I didn't screw up the opening this time. Fuck yeah! High five sound effect. Actually, Carl and I are recording in different rooms today, which is super fun for everyone, I'm sure. So we actually had to use the soundboard for that one? Yes. <laughs> Except I just clapped, so it's fine. <laughs> so, Arthi, what happens in this week's episode? Uh, so there's basically two main plot lines. In the A plot, Holt is in a bad mood and has been consistently in a bad mood, triggering Jake's belief that he should go ahead and investigate this with the help of Gina and Kevin, Holt's husband. Uh, everything goes awry, and nobody is happy with the results, except it turns out Jake does in fact solve the case, and has a nice little sweet moment with Ray at the end. Back at the precinct, Sarge is trying to run interference to make sure that Holt's anger is not triggered by various people's actions, primarily Hitchcock and Scully's. He is consistently not able to do that, but it's okay, it works out in the end. In the B-plot, Boyle has brought in a bank robber that he's been trying to pin down for a while now. Uh, With the help of Rosa and Amy, he tries to get the guy to confess while in an interview room, but fails miserably because the guy is a totally sweet old man while Rosa and Amy are around, and a real uh, hard-ass, shall we say, while Boyle is with him one-on-one. This drives Boyle up the wall, but... It drives Boyle up the wall, and then the guy dies, and it causes Boyle a lot of headache. But then it works out because Amy runs the serial number of some money that the guy gave her, and it turns out he was, in fact, the bank robber after all. Yep. That's the big stuff. Well, okay. We have a record low amount of preparation for this episode, so, uh, what'd you think of the episode, Arthi? You just watched it. I did. I literally watched it right before we got on the recording. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm not going to lie. Good. Did did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might be I might be playing up a little too hard how little I'm prepared. I did enjoy this episode actually. It felt uh like a return to fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah, particularly you and I were talking in our very brief pre-show conversation about how like, we saw a couple of things that I don't think we've seen in, since season one. We saw Jake Gina team up in the A-plot. We saw we saw a, a Boyle primary B-plot. Um, like, we, we saw a lot of Boyle in this episode. And we had just said in the last podcast that Boyle hasn't gotten a lot of screen time this season. Uh, in partial, Partially because, and rather in large part because, Boyle got the majority of the screen time last season. Or, yeah. or towards the end of last he season. Got, he got a plurality of the non-Jake screen time. Yeah, exactly. That's rather correct. Thank you, Carl, for elucidating that. But more <laughs> yeah. largely... <laughs> but more largely... Thank you for correcting my English. I am bad at English. But more largely what I'm trying to say is, like, it was nice to see a little bit of focus on Boyle, especially, like, right before the wedding episode, which is coming up. Yeah, what I liked about Boyle's plotline was that it cut to the heart of his... I mean, we almost always see him monofocused on Jake in a kind of, oh, good, Jake's got a cheerleader way. He's a little weird about it. But I really enjoyed the moment where he was listing all the things that Jake is that he isn't. And it, it, it became clear that this plot is about Charles feeling overshadowed as a detective, which, if I were him, I would be all the time. Yeah, except, like, you know, 
it's one of those things that like I'm reminded of in the first season. We saw a lot of people being very complimentary about Boyle while Boyle was not in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, like I'm reminded of Holt telling Jake like the reason that Boyle never gets into a slump is because Boyle is a is the type of cop that grinds on a case until he finally manages to solve it. And we saw some of that in this episode. Boyle was saying he was just walking around his like neighborhood eating cheese and suddenly the solution to his case came to him. Not that he was in a slump, but that it was like it was it was seemingly stalled out and then he had a big breakthrough. Hmm. And so it was just nice to see that reinforcement of Something that you and I have been consistently talking about, which is that in spite of these people being good detectives, we haven't seen them do detective work much. And this was definitely a case of them doing detective work. This still wasn't very much detective work, though. Like, he'd already caught the guy by just thinking about it while eating brie. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll and then it was just work. a matter of not getting Boy Who Cried Wolfed. Yeah, okay. All right, all right, fine. But I still, in maybe in spite of myself, nah. Actually, I'm just gonna own to own up to it. I like it when Charles is like comes out on top. You know, this is the type of character who never in sitcoms would usually get to come out on top. And you know, it was nice to see his work and his like. He was right, and that was nice to see be validated on screen by his colleagues who should have had more faith in him. Yeah, although, like, I thought it was a nice turnaround that Amy did actually have enough faith in him that she started running the serial numbers basically as soon as she got the money. Mm. Like, she didn't just completely discount what he was saying. She just waited for independent proof. That's fair. And, and you know, that's something my boss tells me, trust but verify. But yeah, so anyway, I, I liked that plot. I thought I had a couple of great little character moments for Boyle, as well as a good, like, Boyle Rosa moment where she was like, what are you doing? And he's like, look, I'm not, I'm not amazing, but I'm really good at what I do, damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. In the A plot, one thing I really liked was um, that we got to see Gina and Jake's friendship like front and center again. To like t- keep talking about things that we saw in season one that were brought back in this episode. Yeah, I... I wouldn't say that this episode really epitomized their friendship. No, no. Because, like, he calls her in on, like, a quid pro quo. But there, there is a kind of sense of uh, the way in which they banter feels like it's got 15 years of friendship behind it, mm. which is good. It should. <laughs> I also just generally like when we get to see those two characters interact, you know? Yes. It, I think... It is, is likable. I mean... Do you do you want to talk about like what about it like you like? <laughs> okay, why do I like the Jake Gina stuff? Well, one, it was funny, and that sounds like so 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 simple, but it's true. It was like genuinely funny. Jake's like sort of deliberately terrible Holt impression. Like, Gina being like, nah, that doesn't sound like Holt. And her even being like, look, all of us administrative assistants, we have a giant, like, quasi-social network where we keep track of what's going on with the brass. That I really liked. Um, Mm -hmm. That felt like kind of a different thing. But it was like, Gina is consistently more competent than they let on. Oh, yeah. Um, and, And it's nice to see the shadowy power web. But, I mean, the thing that I appreciated about... I I think it was cool of Gina 
to, like, try to help Jake with his totally terrible plan <laughs> without giving into his, like, mode of nonsense. Like, she, when called upon by Jake to help him do a stupid thing, she still interacts with Kevin in the way that she's accustomed to, to which helps Jake out more and actually, I think, puts her relationship with Kevin in more danger. I agree. I mean, I think Kevin sort of grudgingly tolerates Jake most of the time, and Gina is more aware of that than anyone else, I think. Yeah, and also there's a real stark difference between how Jake approached getting to know Kevin and how Gina approached getting to know Kevin. Yeah, it sounds like we don't know a whole lot about it, but because, well, so part of that is because the scene where Kevin expresses unwavering approval of Gina was actually cut from the party. Um, there was a scene there? That was a scene? There was a very short scene cut from the party where uh, Kevin and Holt are watching everyone get kicked out. <laughs> And one of the things he says is, none of you are as ever welcome back here ever again. And then he says, except for you, Gina, you are delight. <laughs> he calls her Miss Linetti. He's like, you are delight and you are welcome in our home at any time. Nice. And she's like, she's like, I'm exquisite. And then she leaves. Like, something to that effect. Right. And it was, it was obviously because she had been charming the, the various people in Kevin's faculty all night, you know? Yeah, she really brought a lot to the dinner party. But there's an obvious implied history from there of, like... So, Jake approached getting to know Kevin as a challenge, right? Like, he only wanted to do it because Holt said that he shouldn't, because he's a giant tool bag. <laughs> Whereas Gina did it, A, because she had fun at the dinner party, and B, because it's, like, a smart career move and also, like, a decent thing to do. Yeah, I mean, there's a long... I feel like it's totally normal for people to, like, get to know their partner's assistants. Yeah, well, it depends on the... On well, the, sure, industry and person and so forth. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that it was very canny of her to realize that she would probably get an out from the, like, no police talk ever thing. Mm-hmm just by, like, being a civilian in a police world. Like, she has a lot of ground to share with Kevin. As opposed to Jake, who's just like, nah, he'll like me, he'll let me call him Kev. And no one calls him Kev. Yes, I concur. Like, Gina is straight up better at reading what people want in terms of personal interactions than Jake is. Gina's also just straight up strategic in a way that Jake is not. Yeah. Jake isn't strategic at all. No, not, no. He's fundamentally out to amuse himself. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that point, but yes. I, <laughs> what I actually want to talk about is how the resolution to, well, one, Holt got an action scene in this plot line. Yeah, and he was a badass. He fucking killed it. Are you kidding me? He's That's never had amazing. an action scene in any of the flashbacks. You know what? You're right. Yeah, he just, like, pointed guns at people. But they were great about including period-specific revolvers and stuff, so props to props. <laughs> Joke, jokes aside, um, no, Holt got an action sequence. It was really cool. I was super into it. Um, I also was super into, like, 
I know you don't really buy it, but like I was, you know, I have a weird alternate ship for the show, which is Jake Holt. And I feel like the ending there like was 100% like in my corner. <laughs> if you say so. It was so shippy. Jake was like the person was like the people I love. And Jake's like, by which you mean Kevin? And Holt's like, yes. Of course I mean Kevin. Who else would I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I Jake mean, wants it to be him. There's much uh, less hesitance than you're portraying there. It's, I, I, I think the easiest way to read that is as him going, by which you mean Kevin. I'm a good detective. I figured it out. I'm a genius. <laughs> See, and I... No, I'm going to put on my ship slash lens. It is so perfect. I want... If I were making a Jake Holt fan vid, I would include that moment. Yeah, it would be a pretty short bit. So I guess you would have to include <laughs> no. it. No, Jake is always looking very lovingly at Holt. Not as lovingly as he does at Santiago, but still. Oh, wait, one second. Something I forgot to bring up. In terms of total crack explanations of the show, uh, the show does put some potential behind the idea that Jake might be bi. Right, we got to ask about that today from your vicious trollop. Oh, it did we. I did not see it. Yes. Well, she was specifically asking about Holt. I'm sorry. Jake saying, damn it, waitress, what are you doing later after this? And then doing the same for painting guy. Yeah, but I didn't get it. Did I miss the joke? I'm not good at this. I think it might be a reference to something that I haven't seen. But if not, like, I mean, I think the idea is, yeah, I don't really get the joke. There's clearly a joke there. I just don't get it yeah right yeah they, there's all the markings of a joke yeah but everything there seems like it should be a joke i'm gonna try googling I mean, it they, they even brought back like dake's dake they even brought back jake's like i know i know some of the crew love this joke but the okay 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 no doubt no doubt no doubt no doubt i'm like no i i mean i get it and that's fine i'm just worried that it's like like that's like the third episode like in recent memory that they've done that and it feels like at least it's not as troubling to me as Boyle's wash a hair washing joke that they always kept leaning on yeah I um I mean I don't think it's been as as recent. I think it's been a little bit more spread out. I, I I think that that's fine, but clearly not as funny as the writing staff thinks there is. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's just I think it's. I wonder sometimes if there are other takes that are better for it that I'm just not. I wonder if it's just contextual. Like it's an inside joke that the rest of us don't really get. <laughs> Because yeah. I know that the first time he did okay, okay, okay was an improvised bit. And I'm sure it killed in the moment. And so it's a quasi inside joke. Maybe. Maybe. For the for the what are you doing after this joke, I'm gonna assume that the idea is that he finds her mildly attractive and is trying to distract her from thinking of him as like a spoiled child by, like, presenting himself as a sexual option, and then the second time it's like, her, her, he's doing this with a man. But neither joke really works. But it does point to, like, him thinking that the same strategy is valid on both a man and a woman. I mean, we we got an anonymous ask that was 100% in my bisexual Jake 2015 corner, so... That's your corner? I did not know. <laughs> I mean, it's become my corner. I can... I'll fall on the sword. It's fine. 
I mean, <laughs> I'm all for it, bisexual visibility 2015. I, I just don't know. Eh, I think fine. specifically the reading of Jake Peralta, the character, as potentially bisexual. I guess it's necessary like... for your stupid ship. Hey, fuck you. My ship is amazing. Jake Holt, at this point, Jake has Jake Holt has more going for it than Jake Amy, and that breaks my heart to say. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. There's two confessions. <laughs> nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Jake is constantly acting on his feels for Raymond Holt. Come on. There's two confessions. <laughs> Audience, you can you can choose to chastise or support me in our ass box. Please do. Look, you're, you're it's fine to have this ridiculous thing going, but it's not like there's a canon relationship in this show, aren't they? <laughs> Screw you! I that still, I canon don't care. is more <laughs> canon than crack. I will always like you can say whatever you want about the desirability of your ship, but you can't say it's more canon than canon. Well, right now it's more canon than canon. <laughs> No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's just more recent than canon. <laughs> uh, speak, but speaking of, since we are we're talking about canon, the canon ship, Jake, Amy. Um, I was super one. I loved Boyle's like dumb thing in the cold open where he's like, "Oh, Latina women, like that's that's your style." I'm sorry. <laughs> Him going, that's your style, Jake. Yeah, and he says Sophia and Sa, and Jake's like, whoop, up, 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 up. <laughs> does he say bup, up, up, actually? No, he doesn't. He's like, yeah, no, no. but he, does, he doesn't do I, that, I would remember it. Uh, garbage. He should have, I, I want them to bring back the bup, up, up joke. That that's was my something, favorite joke. That's something that, like, someone does when they feel in control of the situation, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, actually, now that I think about it, do you think this episode, Jake's plot in this episode is part of his... You can't always control every aspect of the outcome character arc? No, because he was right the whole time. But Like, there were about five seconds where he wasn't right in this episode. So, okay, but, like, rightness doesn't always give you the right... Right? What? Fuck. English, why are you so garbage? Well, no, he didn't have the right, but he was still rewarded. Like, there was only a couple scenes where he believed he'd done wrong. And then he fixed it in a heroic fashion and was rewarded for that. But he... And I, I just, I don't, I mean, he wasn't trying to control things. He was just trying to detect it himself. I, so I, I agree. I just want to posit that the meddling into somebody else's personal business kind of falls into the, like, I think I think there's an argument to be made that that falls into the larger arc for Jake this season. Possibly, but the thing is that it's not, it doesn't have a uniqueness to this season. Because it's also how the party went, right? Fair point. Fair point. All right. I, I agree, but I don't, my, my disagreement only lies in that the party was not about Jake meddling into Ray's personal life. That was actually, that was actually explicitly Amy's objective at the party. Yes. <laughs> but by contrast, I think. Like I said, I just think that there's an argument to be made that meddling into somebody's personal life falls into the larger scope of you can't control everything. Maybe. Eh. Okay, so wait, going back a couple steps then, I was I was saying I loved Boyle's line about Amy, but I also did not appreciate Jake's 
cold air coming out of that box joke. Thought that was pretty gross. Yeah. Like his his sex tape joke. I appreciate Amy being like, hey, come on in. The sex tape jokes have been pretty heavy and pretty hollow. Like they haven't been as funny recently. And I think they're supposed to signal Jake's mind turning back towards Amy more than anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 letting that marinate a bit. I I I agree. I want to agree. I'm. I want to agree. I'm not sure if I buy that. I do agree that they've been a little bit on the weaker side, and I like them. So it's like kind of breaks my heart to say that. No, they've been really weak. Like this time, he was barely even trying, and the show was like, "No, that's not funny. That's rude." And yeah, I'm glad. That's what I was gonna say. Is that I was glad that Amy was like, "Hey, come on." Yeah. Yeah, like the the one. The one from, not Tactical Village, the one from Windbreaker City was not that weak. It was okay. It was fine. It was funny. Um, my, my estimation rose there, but uh, in retrospect. But, like, this one was not, this one was really weak. I mean, it may, I think, I mean, it's deliberately weak. I think it yeah. was written deliberately weak. But it was also deliberately and unnecessarily sexist. Well, I mean... They're all sexist. Well, yes. They're they're all penalizing her like degree of sexuality. That's the that's the joke. Her degree of open sexuality, I think. Well, is... uh, just her engagement with her own sexuality. Hmm. And I think they're all that to a, a a pretty consistent degree. This one was just gross and unfunny and and kind of mean. But I mean. I want to see more of Amy pushing back. She did. She did that, and yeah. I. Well, she's clearly willing to. Yeah, I. I like seeing that because I think it makes it clear that Amy doesn't push back on purpose. It's not because, like last episode, we were saying, like Amy probably often feels intimidated by her colleagues, um, just because they're the cool kids and she's not. But it's nice to see in this case that, like, um. A, a reiteration of a point we made earlier, probably towards uh, after the bet in in when we were talking about season one, where uh, Jake's feelings for Amy put her on an equal playing field with him. And as far as Amy is concerned, like right now, like he doesn't have feelings for her. He was dating someone else. He's tra- still getting over Sophia. But I think like that sense of like equal equality in their playing field didn't go away. And that's nice to see because. Amy pushing back on a bad sex tape joke is a good indicator that she's like, most of the time I don't really care. These jokes are fairly innocuous in her mind, I guess. But like when the joke is actually kind of sexist and kind of rude, she will push back. Mm-hmm. That was nice to see because it's like Amy's larger arc about us being assertive. I don't know if this falls into that and I'm not going to prescribe it to that. But I will say that for her to push back is important. Yep. I don't know if I have anything else for this episode. I don't have anything else. Um, cool. I will say, the only thing I want to say is that uh, the promo pics for the Boyle and Eddie wedding are out. Yeah, I think I saw those. And it, <laughs> yeah, Jake and Amy look like they're in a secret agent movie. There's a good manip of the of one of the pics floating around, but, which is why I sought out the pictures in the first place. Manip is the first word. You are correct.
Also, Jake isn't even like Jake isn't even a groomsman. Well, yeah, he wouldn't be. I mean, Boyle thought he was going to be best man, <laughs> but he doesn't have a corsage. I I also think that uh, Boyle forgot that Jake's not really friends with his dad? Question mark. We don't know their lives. That's fair. We know very little about Boyle's life outside of his office, actually. Look at this last pic where, like, Gina and Boyle are looking directly at each other behind their parents. Yes, I noticed that, too. I think it might be the resurgence of our ship. (laughs) This one where they're running from the car. Right? Somebody cut out the car from that picture and put them side by side. It's a beautiful photo manipulation. Seriously, though, this looks like they're in, like, an... In a James Bond movie. I'm pretty excited. I'm really hoping they lean into that with their plot line, too. Also, they're smiling pretty hard, actually. Anyway, uh, we'll see it when we see it. Wait. Indeed. What's... Oh! I bet this first picture is a flashback to Kevin and Holt getting married. Oh, I hope so. Like, now that you say that, I want it to be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it must be. Because they would only have been able to get married, like, six years ago. Yeah. That's when it became legal in New York City-ish. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Anyway, we can talk about that whenever the <laughs> weeks from now. Indeed. All right, cool. Well, from all of us to all of you. This has been Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.